Welcome to Doctor Who on Target. Podcast where we discuss the target range of classic Doctor Who novelizations from the 1970s and 80s. Those long ago days where, if you missed Doctor Who on TV, you missed it forever. Unless, of course, you bought the target novelization. So, join us, jump aboard the TARDIS, set the time rotor for late 20th century Earth, and with a wheezing, groaning sound, We'll discuss Doctor Who on Target. Hello and welcome to Doctor Who on Target. And this week we are starting a review of Series 10, where we are going to give a quick review of um, the episodes as they air. David, um... What are your first impressions? You you watched it on transmission last night, I think. I did watch it last night, yes. And what was your initial feeling? My feeling on it very early on was that it was a reboot of the episode called Rose, which restarted Doctor Who back in 2005. It wasn't just the... It wasn't just the alarm clock going off at the beginning of the episode. I think I felt other elements were the same um sort of shape-shifting aliens and there was another bit that that i thought resonated very strongly with rose and i think it was when the doctor was glimpsed in one of the photographs that he took of bill's mother to as a christmas present because i seem to remember clive had a photographic collection as well and the, the doctor kept appearing in those too Yes. So yes, I, I did. I, fe- I felt very much. I, well, I felt the whole story was somewhat derivative, if I'm honest, because there were very strong resonances as well with Waters of Mars, yes. with the Drippy Monster. I, I the same thought came oh. to me. Yes, yeah. Mm. I I felt because um, of course it is called the pilot, and um, it is called the pilot. Yes. Yeah, and um, I I don't know. It seems a little bit tacked on to me i mean i noticed those derivative uh moments or you know those sort of little uh mnemonic touches as you said the the alarm clock because it was exactly the same alarm clock and, and the day that it's not a triptych because that implies three different pictures but there was a, a sequence where her day was sort of made up of cubes that went across the television screen where she was frying chips and whatever was happening yes as well that's that um yeah those those little visual um sort of tricks they they were very similar yes. to that first episode yeah i well. i i feel um i i'm i was quite excited to be watching this as capaldi's last season um yeah. as the doctor <clears throat> and um i expected Something, I don't know why I expected the the visuals and and the music to be maybe to have a refresh, but they they've kept right. all the ones which he's had right no, the way kept through the clock, haven't they? They've kept the the clock face title sequence. Yeah, which which um, is isn't my favourite. What do you what do you no, think? No, no, I'm not particularly fond of that. No, no. I wouldn't mind if 
they tried something else. Yeah, it would have been nice. Cause, well, the <laughs> I noticed sound... when the, the the sort of the preamble to the episode of the Doctor's study at the University of Bristol or wherever it is. I think it's called St Luke's Bristol. Yes. I thought, oh, I thought this resonates a lot with Sharda. It does. Like first Pronotus. It does. No, I like those. In the corner. Yes. I and the like out of that. order sign from the War Machines, which he still has, <laughs> on the front. That... I thought, yeah, but, and, and what's he hiding from? Is it all going to become clear? Because there's something down in the basement of this university that's behind this high-tech-looking door. Yes. And this is obviously why he's based at the university at this time. St. Luke's University, Bristol, as I say, I think it was called, but you didn't really get much of a flash at the sign of it. No. But they are they seem to have moved away from... A London-based setting and and to Bristol yes. and yeah, talking of the music actually, the episode kicked off with music that wouldn't have been out of place in a lift. Oh. It's very tinkly and 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 um, non-intrusive. Yes, I yeah. think it just presented a counterpoint to the Doctor's electric guitar when it ripped in with Beethoven's Fifth. Yes, I like it was that. It to be a contrast. <laughs> yeah. It, it it was, you know, it was, I actually really like some of those touches. I mean, I had noticed that, of course, you know, the out of order sign is the one from the war machine. So that's a right. lovely little, yeah, I really like Well, I'm, I'm just saying that just because there was an out of order sign in the war machines. I'm not sure if it's exactly the same one, but I'd well, like to think it was that, and that, it's, that it is a, an actual sort of Easter egg for us people who have been following this for years. Yes. Yeah. I also, the other thing I really liked in that first bit was the, um, like some people have a cup full of pens, but he has a cup full of sonic screwdrivers. <laughs> I like that too. All yeah. the different ones. The other thing I th I noticed as well, starting is when the doctor, the doctor's costume, he seems to have changed into a monk. Now he's got a hood, a, a sort of brown coat and oh, a hood. Oh yes. He? And he doesn't look doctorish. Yes, that's it's not till you actually get inside the TARDIS and there's a big reveal of his sort of velvet smoking jacket or whatever he wears, yeah. um, that you feel he's doctorish again. At the moment, he's obviously in deep cover. Do you know, I'm actually just checking that on, on BBC iPlayer, which... Um, oh, yeah. yeah, which, which uh, we, we've he just see, he seems to have an He seems to have a sort of, I don't know, monastic hoodie on at the he moment. Re he does. I, I'm, <laughs> I've just paused it on the section here where he is in his... Um, his study and that brown of the of the hood is really mm. highlighted they've obviously put the light onto that to emphasize right that. and it really does look like um, a monk's cowl or whatever it does the... look like a cowl doesn't yes it? it does actually yeah. and i've just skipped forward this is the beauty of eye player and absolutely yeah the smoking jacket and all that is revealed yeah that's really interesting and it's actually. only it's only when you get the the doctor's proper costume and it doesn't really come into its own until the first scene in the TARDIS. No. That it feels doctory again. And there he is yeah. in the TARDIS, looking no. very doctory indeed. It does, Looking yeah. a lot like John Pertwee as usual. Oh, I, I have to say there's one thing. Um, I absolutely adore Peter Capaldi's Doctor. I, I think he's truly one of the finest actors mm. to actually play the Doctor. And mm. I just love the way he's so John Pertwee and then he can be William Hartnell and then he's back to come I just love it he's got these 
you know where we always thought when we were sort of uh, growing up with the doctor you know there was always this thing of whenever a new doctor took over they said well I'll, I'll try to put a bit of the previous doctors in but uh, I don't yeah. think any of them really did that before whereas no. I feel with I mean in John Pertwee you never saw Pat Trout nor William Hartnell did you you no, know I the idea was to be totally different in those days exactly whereas i think peter capaldi really does capture that essence you know of getting all of a sudden you're thrown into like oh he's he's like tom baker oh he's like john pertwee or so he's he like i suppose it's why we listen to cover versions of records because we like the original yeah we're saying that we like peter capaldi i think it's deeper than the fact that he reminds us of John Pertwee, oh, but yes. he he does, and and I think it's absolutely intentional that he does. Yes, yeah. I mean, he's even got, as I said it before, he's even got the John Pertwee run, yeah, down to a fine art now. Except now, I noticed yesterday's episode, Peter Capaldi had put a funny swinging motion of his arms in, just to make it extra comic. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I it's... think there was a, a line about. Uh, wasn't there a naughty line about uh, a penguin with its arse on fire or something? It was, she said. I said, um, why, are you doing, why are you running like that? And he said, ergonomics. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why, but apparently that run covers the ground really, really quickly. It's very odd because you don't see Mo Farah running along like that, but that's the fantasy of it, really, I suppose. That's true, that's true, yes. It's a standing joke, the fact he can't run anyway. <laughs> It's a lovely time. And I, I will say, um, I, just to mention Capaldi's acting again, you know the scene, because of course, being the pilot as well, it, we meet a new companion, which we haven't had a new companion really for a long time, which is no, Pearl Mackey playing That's... Bill Potts, isn't it? Bill Potts, yeah. Um, what, what did you think of her? Well, actually, I... I took to her rather more than I thought I would mm. which because you know how you like everything to stay the same yes yeah and I think we're all guilty of it oh yes she's she's a very big contrast oh. to Clara certainly yeah as I say I think I think she resonates most with Rose and that's where we started the conversation yes yeah I, I can certainly feel that there was one thing, though, I actually liked her a lot more than I thought, because um, when we were first introduced to her in that little teaser introduction mm. last year, mm. um, with that on that Dalek saucer, she was way too frenetic and wow. um, for me, and I thought, oh, no, they're really sort of playing to the younger sort of teenage audience, which is, which mm. is fine, but... It didn't make me feel attracted to that mm. character, mm. but she was a lot better than I than I anticipated. Actually, I thought. Well, I, I, yes, I mean, I hope that she seems to have a fairly carefully constructed backstory, with no mother. This foster mother who looks a lot like was it Brannigan, in the the one where the cats were the the nuns in the hospital, Peter. Oh. Not, Oh, um, the David Tennant's. Yes. First, was it called New, New, New Earth? Yeah. New, yes, yes. Yes. That actress has appeared in New Who before, I think. Oh right, yeah, it, yeah. No, it wasn't that episode. I, you know, many years ago, I used to get really frustrated 
with Doctor Who actors because they couldn't recall anything with any clarity. Yeah. And yeah. the fans just always had to help them out. Yes, yeah. Now I find myself being unable to recall anything with any clarity as well. <laughs> I'm actually rather sorry for those poor actors now. Yes. No, the, the, it was the third one, wasn't it? It was the one where the Macra reappear. Oh. was the episode you got Brannigan. Yeah. Or oh, Ardle O'Hanlon, was it? It was. Yeah, it was. But anyway, what I'm yeah. saying is that that sorry that actress has been in the show before and the stepmom has been in the show before i believe in that episode right and um yeah so it all, it all felt very familiar mm. the whole thing felt very familiar it was almost as if pete um what's the chap's name the, the guy who writes it stephen moffat stephen moffat yeah. it's almost as if he woke up one morning and thought right let's make children scared of puddles yeah <laughs> what do to make children scared of puddles and he came up with this. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I thought there were some nice touches of that, but I, going just going back to the character of Bill Potts, the moment, uh, you, you said as long as her characterisation is done well. Now, I don't really... <coughs> excuse me. I, I wasn't sure about her characterisation, actually, because mm -hmm. I felt when... I, I have to say, the... The first scene when we enter the TARDIS was mm. absolutely superb. I, I thought that was brilliant. I loved mm. that so much where we had this great big um, shot of coming back, pulling back, you know, when the lens mm. right across the TARDIS as it lit mm. up. And that mm. was spectacular. Now, good. yeah, and then it turned to Peter Capaldi standing there by the side of the console looking fabulous and he, mm. he was just Pertwee-esque is the word oh yes very much Pertwee-esque <laughs> and in fact I noticed they, they were on Graham Norton with Warren Beatty uh, um, on Friday night and they showed right. they showed that clip and Warren Beatty looked across at Peter Capaldi and gave an approving nod to sort right. of say that was good I like that so like that. yeah yeah and that's um, right. yeah so that's very very but what I felt then was we've got this fabulous setup. Bill Potts comes in and she says, it's like, it's like, and um, he says spaceship and she says kitchen. Now, one, I didn't think that was funny because right. the interior bears absolutely no relation to a kitchen whatsoever. Right. Two, why on earth would she say that? Because she works in the kitchens of this, this old right. red brick college, which I imagine... The kitchens are nothing like that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And two, it struck me as, as rather bizarre because the whole scenario that we have later on with her background is that she knows about science fiction. She right. mentions that she's it's a familiar genre with her and she brings it in. So oh, okay. why would she choose a kitchen over some a spaceship or something like right. that? Right, perhaps it was just a throwaway indulgent line on the part of the writer i don't know it oh. doesn't you're right it doesn't look like a kitchen and no. you're right she's very well placed to know what a kitchen looks like if she fries chips for a living yes yeah yeah <laughs> well this is it you know it's uh, got i've got that off my chest anyway david so right, I, I, I didn't good. think that was a good that good. was a good line but what, what did you think of the I mean, I, you don't sound really enamoured with the actual story. You're sort of saying it sound, it's derivative. It's um... well, it well, yes. I think in a, it, it's just um, 
it's just a means to an end, isn't it, really, to introduce the character. And then some bits didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, the idea that this that this um, sort of... Um, what was it supposed to be? It was engine oil from a spaceship, was yes, it? Yes, I think Whatever so. Whatever that liquid monster was, it, 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 could tra- it, it, it traced her very easily from Australia to the end of time yes. to Dalek spaceship. Yeah. I also didn't welcome the doctor saying oh these are old friends of mine on here and then there was shots of mavellans being shot at because we all know if we know our classic who that the mavellans weren't goodies in the end no that's and all the daleks were goodies yes that was a bit sloppy yes um when the puddle spoke i thought oh dear they've got nick briggs in to do a generic mystery monster voice right yes yeah. you know, so I, I sort of thought oh we've heard all this before yeah. the dalek i don't know i don't know the dalek's presence in there um turned into the um water beast itself didn't it, it didn't did. explain what happened to the original dalek i suppose it it killed it but, yes uh, the and the other thing i didn't understand was before the the reveal i thought oh that Dalek's going to have a star in its eye. Yes. I just know it's going to have a star in its eye. Yeah. And it, yeah. Did. it did. And at first I thought, oh, maybe the star in the eye is something to do with being taken over by this alien. But it isn't. The star in the eye was just there. I can only think it was some sort of throwback to David Bowie and the man who fell to Earth. Because she did when, Bill Potts. And had... the absolute alienness of this this creature with the different coloured pupils, well, seemingly different coloured pupils, although actually what David Bowie had was one iris that was bigger than the other one. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the black bit in the middle, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Whatever that is, the pupil, the, the pu- iris. But the pupil, but the pupil. But, was, yeah. Um, yeah, but you always, you always thought he had different colour eyes, and yeah. certainly the weirdness of his, the weirdness of his eyes mm. made him look a bit alien. And I thought, well, this is just a shortcut to make a seem alien but she had that star which couldn't have been a genetic fault no from the word go before she even went into the puddle yeah i wonder if um do you think maybe this is going to be linked into the rest of the season this star in the eye sort of uh, i wonder it could well be couldn't it it could well be yeah because it certainly wasn't made sense of here but we do know we've had this before with with Stephen Moffat's story arcs where things are brought up and materialise in the beginning of it, but they never return to. Right. So, oh, they, they, yeah, they don't don't tie them off. I mean, there was a line towards the end that said, uh, will we ever see her again? Well, I thought the whole idea was to get away from her. So yeah. I don't know why you'd want to. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But there you go. That's just me. Well... But the, the other thing I noticed, because we, we're going to have to get on to the sticky issue of the the sexuality of Doctor Who and whether we wish that the, the show was asexual or not. Yeah, yeah. I did notice, they and they, they it was very subtle, but at Bill and she's called Heather, at their first meeting or one of their first meetings in the disco, yeah. when they first set eyes on each other, you had Joy Division, Love Will Tear Us Apart, playing in the background I so that. it was obvious that it wasn't going to end happily if you've 
Oh, right. <laughs> Give it a soundtrack of Love Will Tear Us Apart, and you know it's going to end in tears. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I did. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that actually. Oh, the next a... time you see it, you'll you'll spot the song there. Yes, it's yeah. a most depressing song. Oh, it is. I, I find um, Joy Division. Um, you know, well, this is the most ironic of titles, isn't it? You know, and it's, <laughs> yes, uh... I think it's supposed to be actually. Oh yeah, where is it? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I. I Sorry, Sorry. I was going to say, I don't think, I think there have been relationships in classic Doctor Who, particularly in Sylvester McCoy stories that have had sort of an undertone of um, uh, being a lesbian relationship. I'm thinking Paradise Towers, you had Tabby and Tilda, the old ladies who lived together. I always thought they were an item and uh, oh, and uh, yes. the one we did the curse of fenric do you remember gene and phyllis oh yes they were. We couldn't work out what their relationship was but i think we we were convinced they weren't siblings oh yes that's right oh, i think i think the, the, very much the conclusion was that they were a, um, a lesbian couple weren't they or, right. or i think we that's what we right. I, I, I don't know if we did but i oh. think it have been i don't know yes yeah so i think the, you know the love that dare not speak its name has appeared yeah. before yes yeah <laughs> i know because there was this controversy wasn't it um a couple of weeks back. i don't know if we if we mentioned it have been a, it, well, you, you know that's why i didn't understand if it wasn't news why was it in the news well th this is it and, yeah and there certainly was no sensationalist um uh, approach to no it, it was it was a it was a, a a crush between young people yeah that didn't end very happily yeah and and it was and as such you know so the, it was the, fine. the fatted model was yeah. was the other one that oh. was the that was the line that was being referenced in the news story wasn't it oh was it i didn't yes right. the, the girl looked like a model so she gave her extra chips extra chips extra chips <laughs> I fatted her. I fatted her. I like that. Actually. The line. That's rather yeah. nice. I quite it was like just that. a sort of a throwaway gag, wasn't it? Really? It was. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. I did like that, but it really wasn't of any consequence at all, as you said. Oranges are not the only fruit, was it? Oh, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It certainly um, wasn't that, you know. But, but I probably would. I would probably would argue against the need for sexual relations of any gender mix being the topic of Doctor Who. I, I just don't think it needs it. The Doctor has always been asexual. So when people started to kiss him a lot, yes, it, it, it sort of seemed a huge departure. But, you know, maybe, maybe showing relationships on television programmes watched by young people is the way forward. And it could be me. I, I do love the term fuddy duddy. <laughs> I'm going to absolutely revel in my uh, adoption of that mode of being. I think. Well, I I have to say that we we've touched on this before, and uh, please write in and tell us if you disagree. But I think um, I'm not a fan of John Nathan Turner, but I did like his um, his catchphrase which he had, which was. There's, was it there's no nookie in the TARDIS we don't we right. don't do that and we don't do that yeah yeah and that's how I, I felt I mean you know I I did find myself sitting there last night you know going through all this 
mm-hmm. love relationship stuff. And I, I, I have this feeling going, oh, just get on with it. Like, where's the monsters? Let's get on with the excitement. Let's get on. You know, it's but like you say, it could be it could be our age and and the fuddy duddiness. Oh, and, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. I mean, the 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 actress playing Heather gave a very good performance. Mm, yeah, she was totally believable. Yes. Yeah. In, in fact, I think she was one of the assets of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I certainly don't have enjoy any... her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was nothing to do with the acting or the the. It was just, I don't know. I I find it um a little bit, uh, something which doesn't really interest me. I'm glad when I... those things are over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but the the other character that I found that I'm increasingly warming to is Nardal. Yes, Nardal. Nardal. He's Nardal. Nardal. No, yes. no, no, he's, he's good. He's good, isn't he? Because he's the comic foil. And Matt Lucas plays him really he's well. Very good. Yeah, he's very good, isn't he, Matt uh, Lucas? His timing is really good, and and the body language that he has. There's a couple of scenes where he sort of waddles across, doesn't he? You know, <laughs> sort of, and it's like a sort of parody of the Doctor in the way. You know, he's saying about the way the Doctor is running. Well, I was trying to think back, actually, because he's no Ian Chesterton, is he? Oh, no. <laughs> the whole idea of the original companions, where they were the sort of the enforcer for the elderly doctor. Yes, yeah. It's all changed now, obviously. Yes, yeah, oh, it's all changed now. But I, I have to say, though, I, I love Ian Chesterton. I think he's one of the the best Doctor Who companions. One of the top companions. Oh, yes, he's he's a wonderful companion. Um, so overall, what did you think of the? Um, so we know that the, I think we broadly agree on that fact that the story was a little bit faltering, maybe a little bit disjointed. I think it. Well, it was a means to an end, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. As it seemed to, it seemed to be. This is a yet another reboot of the series. Yeah. Or a mini reboot, anyway. Yeah. And um, this is what you're going to get for this year, and let's just put put all the pieces in into place and as you say it could have um relevance to things that happen later in the season i hope it does yes yeah i, I, I hope so sense. but there, there were bits that i thought were indulgent yeah there were bits that were as you say excellent the tardis reveal the performance by and large of bill and the fact that she was a warm character the fact that um the human relationships work really well within the story. Yes. The, the, the main villain, in inverted commas, the the bacon sandwich that didn't love you back, that was a good <laughs> performance as well. But oh, then I, I found the inclusion of the Dalek a bit perfunctory, and I found the monster puddle a bit silly, but apparently yeah. it was explained. I mean, she... she if nothing else, I mean, Bill isn't symmetrical anyway. No. She just isn't symmetrical, so she should have seen it without her wow badge. Yes. I yeah. didn't quite understand why she had to be wearing her denim jacket in order to see it. She's not. Her her parting is very clearly on one side of her head. Yeah. She's yeah. just symmetrical. Yes. That's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no. anyway, that was. I suppose that's going to have some... Maybe, maybe Matt Lucas is symmetrical i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, as you, 
both sides without his party. Well, <laughs> as you say, I really won't, because the first time I saw Matt Lucas, well, I, I do really like Matt Lucas, but the first time he was in that Christmas episode, I just thought there was a little bit of, you know, interesting Christmassy fluff. But now um, I'm thinking, oh, actually, he's he's a really good comic foil. He's really good timing. Yeah, he's acting. bringing something to the face, doesn't he? He, he is, absolutely. But I will say... Um, my score for this one is going to be very high. I mean, I think Stephen Moffat said he w- wanted to start his new season as if um, he was starting it all afresh rather than it was his last. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. He's done so much better than this with opening episodes that I don't feel, for me, that it's 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 strong at all. He may be setting things up. I mean, we have to mention, I suppose, the fact that um, Susan Foreman's photograph is on the desk mm. in, his, in his office. Now, I wonder, is this going to be some um, overarching theme, perhaps? Do you think she's coming back? Well, it's possible. Or there Who might knows? Be some, Anything's possible. Yeah, yeah. Anything's absolutely but it, it wasn't thrilling now i've noticed that um when we just looked at it on iplayer it's actually at the top of the charts as the most popular right. thing being watched at the moment but the overnight figures for it are 4.64 million with a 24.8 percent share so it was the second highest for the day on the bbc um just yeah. beaten by all round to mrs brown's which is oh dear dear i'm <laughs> very sad about that but um it did uh, what was itv 8.65 million was number one with britain's got talent which is right. dreadful stuff so what, what do you think of the viewing figures considering doctor who's been away for a long time well i, d- I don't know i suppose people consume their television a lot differently these days mm. I don't. I. I mean, I really don't know. I. I, I understand figures are all, all very important yeah. to to program makers. Um, I don't know if the BBC's remit should extend beyond making popularist shows. I suppose it it should. Yeah. Um, what should we do? I mean, Mrs. Brown happens to be the most popular thing. There's nothing we can do. She's not Doctor Hill. He's not Doctor Who. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just what the people want. Give the people what they want. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I can't explain the Mrs. Brown phenomenon. No. I I um I did try watching the sitcom but did I you? got bored very quickly. <laughs> it was basically the same joke every week. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at least at least, you know, for all of our our um making of connections to the past in Doctor Who, at least we are given something slightly different every now and then. Yes. We so we should be very grateful for that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if you were um um going to give a score for this story, mm-hmm. David, what would you uh, what where would you well, place it? I'm I need to be a bit modest here, I think. It was it was neither exemplary or a total disaster so i need to give it a score somewhere in the middle of our age oh sorry of our um our, our range don't i somewhere yeah. in, I'm, go, I'm going to give it i think i'm going to give it six out of ten right you you are that's just 
I'm giving for the performance of Heather, who I liked, and I'm giving it for the performance of Matt Lucas, who I liked, and yeah. I'm giving it for Bill, who I quite liked, and I'm giving it for Peter Capaldi's run, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a few other bits, and Bob. So, I, yes, I think six would be a very fair score for this. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. I think, um, I think six is quite generous actually I, I'm going to go a little <laughs> bit uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower and I'm going to give a five because I think average right bang in the middle um, without those Peter Capaldi moments and the little comical moments and the you know the good all round acting and directing was, was, was good um, I couldn't give it higher than this it didn't excite me I, no. I was I was ready for uh, to be thrilled to love it to go oh the mm -hmm. doctor's back and I had little fleeting my 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 pulse raised a few times with Peter Capaldi you know the scene mm -hmm. in the TARDIS but it was it left me a bit flat and, right. uh, and that's not where you want to be with Doctor Who is it no you know e even in Tom Baker's poorest maddest moments on TV you know <laughs> even then you could watch Tom Baker and go oh isn't he great you isn't know? he brilliant yes yeah. yeah you know and it's uh, and, and I do feel that when Peter Capaldi's on the screen but there was a lot of time in this when he wasn't on the screen right and I don't think what was being portrayed there lifted it above a five I think for me right so a little okay. A little bit of a, a donor. So, what, what have we got next week, David? Well, I can't tell you what the episode's called. I ought, really ought to know. You should. But there do. was a, a group of robots who spoke emoji. Yes. Mm. And I'm sort of quickly flicking through the radio times here to go to, oh. to find out what on earth that episode's called. I mean, we had we had all the titles in front of us the we other did. day, didn't we? As well. <laughs> We're not quite but, as organised. Uh, it's quite, we can't ah. be as organised as that. But I did. I tell you, changing the subject really quickly. Yeah. I thought the coming soon trailer was brilliant. Oh, it looked fabulous. I enjoyed it. Yeah. You enjoy it. We yeah. had um, uh, the, the Doctor obviously regenerating in it. Yes. Did you notice that? I did. I've got. I've got. I play a pause somehow though. Yeah. I don't quite know how it's going to work. We had the Master as. As, well, we had the Missy and the Master were in it. Yeah. With a bearded John Sim appeared in the last frame. Yes. We had, what else did we have? We had Mondasian Cybermen. Oh, I can't wait for the Mondasian Cybermen. I'll tell you what, those 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 robots remind me. I'm looking at the robot right now, and it seems to have great big thumbs up signs in its eyes. Oh. It reminds me of the National Lottery logo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that those little those little ironic touches which yeah, they put yeah. like that. I, I like that. Oh, um, oh! I tell you what else we had in the coming soon. We had the, a view of the Ice Lord as well. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. I, had a smidgen of the side of his head. Yes, I'm really yeah. looking forward to those as well because I thought Mark Gatiss did a great job of uh, bringing the Cybermen back. Um, not say sorry, the Ice Warriors back. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, that was really impressive. Well, next week's episode is called um, Smile. And right. Yeah, and it's Smile. Yeah, so and it's written by Frank Cottrell Boyce. Um, oh, um, you like him, don't you? He's a good one. He, he, well, he's um, I wasn't that impressed with his episode that he did oh. before. Which, he, which episode was that one? He did the one before where uh, London was taken over by vegetables. Oh, the trees. The trees. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did you like that one? That one. I 
quite enjoyed that one. Oh, right. Did you? Through, yeah. yeah, the trees were not invading. They were protecting. That's right. Yeah, mm. that's right. Because mm. he's a writer of some esteem, isn't he, Frank? Oh, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So mm. maybe, um, maybe he's found his Doctor Who feet and he's going to deliver something um really good really interesting i mean i i like i like the um the ideas in that one but i, I just it fell a little flat for me that one but okay. smile looks really interesting um well we we'll have to review that one when it comes out absolutely we'll review that next so should we we'll reconvene next week to, to oh, yes. review this we can, one yeah we'll oh, have a look at that one next that's great well David, thank you so much for um, reviewing this week's episode and uh, we'll be back next week. For uh, And don't forget, in the meantime, we will be still putting out our, our target reviews as well. We've got one we've recorded ready to go out later in the week, David, haven't we? Yes, that's right. And we'll be back next week to review the episode Smile. So thank you very much for listening. And David, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Please tweet us at Doctor Who on Target. That's DR Who on Target. Or email us at Doctor Who on Target at gmail.com. That's the end of this episode, and I would like to thank BBC Audio and Penguin Random House for kindly supplying us with preview copies, and to Smerin's Antisocial Club for the use of their version of the Doctor Who theme tune. The biggest thank you goes to you, our listeners.